0: Most of you know that Semper Fidelis, or Semper Fi, is the motto of the United States Marine Corps. Meaning always faithful or always loyal, it sums up the loyalty that each Marine is to have to the Corps, especially to his brothers or sisters in arms, and they to him or her. But the motto didn't begin with the Marines. It dates to at least the 14th century. And the motto itself has deep roots in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul reminds us that faith, hope, and love abide, these three. Faith and faithfulness are among the chief virtues of the Christian. As God is faithful to us, God calls us to be faithful to God and to our sisters and brothers in Christ. We see God's faithfulness in today's reading from Acts, both to Paul and through Paul. After his famous Mars Hill sermon, where Paul tells the Athenians that they have been worshiping the God of Israel all along without knowing it, Paul travels on to Corinth. Corinth, that great city on the Peloponnesian Peninsula, the provincial capital of Greece under the Romans. Paul's problem child church really seems to have been a troubled relationship from what we know from the, the two letters extant from Corinth. This, this scene here in Acts, though, is where the romance begins. Paul meets two of his fellow Jews, Prisca, or Priscilla, and Aquila, a wife-husband team who had been kicked out of Rome along with the rest of the Jews. Paul works with them in tent-making. Their trade is his trade. Well, he uses the Sabbath, Saturday, to preach the gospel. Of course, this doesn't go so easily for Paul as it usually doesn't. Remember from last week what happens when the gospel is preached. Some receive it, and the word takes root in their hearts. For Luke, in in Acts, Luke records that many receive it. Some reject it or are indifferent to it. And sometimes a few violently oppose it. The violence doesn't materialize this time, but there is still fierce opposition to Paul's preaching. And then Paul says something that hits our ears wrong 2,000 years later in a post-Holocaust world. Paul says, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. At first, it sounds like Paul isn't being faithful to his own Jewish people. Luke's characterization of Paul's opponents as the Jews doesn't help either. It doesn't help. It sounds like Paul has decided to divorce himself entirely from his Jewish identity and heritage, abandoning his people who appear hopelessly hard-hearted and hard-headed and to preach exclusively among Gentiles. But that's not what's happening here at all. The phrase, your blood be on your own heads, is itself a Semiticism. It's a phrase that Jesus and his followers would have known very well. It means something like, I've done my part. You're responsible for yourself now. The shaking of the dust from one's garments should remind us all of what Jesus commands the disciples to do. If they are rejected in a town, they are to shake the dust from their sandals and move on to the next town. So basically, these are prophetic words and actions where Paul says that he has discharged his responsibility. He's accepting their no, in other words. They have the freedom to say no. And he accepts that. They're not a blanket abandonment of his people. Paul enters a synagogue in Ephesus a few verses later in Acts. So it's not like he totally cuts himself off from his Jewish identity. Nor was it a blanket judgment, because it isn't a blanket judgment. Paul is in the Jewish prophetic tradition by knowing when enough is enough. In a particular place. There is a shadow side to faithfulness. There is. One can be faithful to a point where one simply accepts the abuse. Or, conversely, where one refuses to take someone's no. To accept someone's no for what it is. That's not the kind of faithfulness that God expects from us. The kind of faithfulness that God wants flourishes in relationships of mutual upbuilding and love. For Paul of course there is faithfulness to his fellow Jews. And then there is the faithfulness that establishes the church in Corinth. Luke names four pillars of the church in Corinth. Uh, Paul himself names an additional one in his letter to the Corinthians. There are three Jews, Prisca, Aquila, and Crispus who was the official of the synagogue. There's one God-fearer, Titus. God-fearer was one who was not part of the synagogue community fully because they hadn't accepted, they, they weren't circumcised and they didn't uh, follow the Jewish law in its entirety, entirety the Torah in its entirety. But uh, And then Paul names one more in Corinthians, Apollos. Paul establishes a church with these four or five, with the help of Silas and Timothy, and remains with them for 18 months while they learn to live in the liberating way of the gospel. 18 months. So it's not... This is faithfulness. This is constructive, healthy faithfulness in planting a new church. Paul doesn't overstay. He doesn't fall into the trap that so many preachers fall into by making themselves indispensable. Nor does Paul leave on the next trireme out of town. As Paul writes in his first letter to the church at Corinth, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Paul takes his time to plant God's church, but does not linger. He doesn't overstay he doesn't procrastinate after all god has a mission for him to continue to preach the gospel in places other than corinth god shows faithfulness to paul as well think about what it's like when you're hurt by those who are closest to you by your family or your friends that must have been what that must what a must have been like for Paul after his battles in the Corinthian synagogue. God knew that Paul needed direction and encouragement. So God sent Paul a vision. This vision is pure encouragement. Do not be afraid, the Lord says, but speak and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will lay on uh, lay a hand on you to harm you. For there are many in this city city who are my people. I don't know about your Bible, but the words there in mine are in red. That, along with the, uh, the, the scripture says the Lord spoke to him, tells us that Jesus is speaking to Paul here. The risen Christ is speaking to Paul. Christ is lifting Paul up with a vision to give him strength for all the hardships he will have to face ahead for the sake of the gospel. And as Christ was faithful to Paul in his difficulties, so Christ is faithful to us. As as Christ was faithful to Paul when he was hurting, when he didn't know how he could continue, so Christ is faithful to us. We need to remember that, especially in this time of great anxiety and uncertainty. Christ said to Paul in that vision, There are many in this city, in the city of Corinth, who are my people. People of Shalom, you are among those people in the city of Alexandria. Whatever happens in the days, weeks, or months to come, God is faithful to us as part of his universal church. Christ knows our suffering. Christ knows our isolation. He knows our loneliness, our fear, our anxiety. And he is our constant companion through all of it. We may be walking in darkness now, but Christ always walks with us through it. We may not be rescued from the darkness But we have a companion who guides us safely through the darkness. The ancient psalmists knew of this. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me. Christ is always faithful. He always has a place for us in his family. Built on the shalom, he extends to the whole world. He may or may not speak to you as he spoke to Paul. It seems to be, it doesn't seem to be that common of an event, at least not in my experience. Maybe some of you have different experiences. But, nevertheless, Christ still communicates to us. Christ communicates his faithfulness to us through his gospel and through the helpers of this world. Through the healthcare workers, for example who are faithful to their patients at great risk to themselves. Through the scientists testing for a vaccine. Through schools who, though closed, still bring school lunch to children. Through parents who have never homeschooled in their life and have no idea how to begin, but are doing the best that they can. Through teachers who are still offering their lessons through through online formats in a way they had never expected they would at the beginning of the year. Through people like you, who still love and serve your neighbors through staying home as much as possible and through your giving. And I'm not just talking about to this congregation. This week was the Minnesota Gives at Home um, campaign. And their response was tremendous to many different worthy organizations. Christ is still faithful to us, and we can see that all around us. Christ has always been faithful. He always will be. Because of his faithfulness, we can continue to be faithful too. Amen.